Right. Well, it is good to have everyone here. It's good to see some new faces, um, some old faces, some non-speaking faces. I understand that, but it, it is good to be here this morning. It's good to have everyone together, and I love that um, we can meet in the house. I was reading last night, Sherry and I was having devotions, um, talking about the old temple and how um, in the Old Testament, God's dwelling place was um, the tabernacle, and then in Israel, it was the temple. And then when Jesus came, the Holy Spirit indwells us, and so we become God's temple. Wherever we are at, wherever we are gathering, God is with us. We don't have to go to a building to meet God, that God stays with us. And so we are here together this morning as a church, as people, because God is with us, and we are excited about that, and I'm excited about this morning. Um, this is an odd sermon this morning. This actually was probably the most difficult and scary sermons I've ever had to like study and prepare for, um, because it's a lot to do about me. Um, and so it, it was weird, um, and it was scary just thinking through things, but over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about what it actually means to be part of a church, to be a church member, and, and what does it mean to be in a gathering of community like that. Um, and so what we've talked about is, one, is I'll be a functioning church member. We don't just show up to church. Um, I, I know in Western culture we've kind of gotten that, but we just sometimes just show up and sit there, and that was never how it was meant to be, that each one of us is here because God has a plan and a purpose, young, old, and everywhere in between, that there's things that you can do that God has gifted you and, and talented, given you talents to do that will build up the church. And so we all have a function. And so many times in so many places in the Western culture church right now, we just kind of show up and we expect everything to happen for us. But we're saying our church and the way God created church is that we have to be functioning, that we have a purpose and everything. Um, next, I'll be a unifying church member. There are only two types of church members. There are those that bring unity and those that bring disunity. And so the idea is that we are humble to each other, that we serve each other, that we put the other's needs first, and we come together. And that sometimes we'll disagree, and that's okay. Sometimes we will not have the same picture. But we will fight for the unity. Unity is the one thing that Jesus prayed for, the one thing that Jesus put out for the expansion of the gospel. That is his strategy. Father, that they would be one as you and I are one, so the world would know that sent me. And the best way for the community and the world to see Jesus is when the church is together and unified and loving on each other. And then last week, I will not let my church be about my preferences. Again, it's the idea that the gospel is the main point. Um, serving the community is the main point. Um, and so it's it's not about like my pew or my music or, or my programs. It's about what do we have to do to reach the gospel. And I asked that question last week, and the challenge question was, you know, for us to be the church that you want to be, are you willing to be the member that will make that church like that? So that's where we're at, and that's where we're about halfway through this, and so I'm excited that we keep going. But um, today I want to talk a little bit about me. <laughs> um, as pastor church, especially as a church plan, we have figured out that there are many hats that I have to wear. My, my wife Sherry always says that planning a church and trying to start a church, it's like being a contractor, except you are, you are the drywall guy, you're the electrician, you're the plumber, you're everything, and there's just a plethora of things that just seem always seem to be juggling. 
and always see me going. And it's it's stressful. I got to tell you, there are times when I'm just like, ah, I just no more, no more. It's just it gets a lot. And the leaders of the church, they all have jobs like that. They all have things that we are always constantly doing. And so it seems like we're always juggling different types of hats. And so this week, um, what I want to talk to you and challenge you with is that we are called to pray for our leaders. We, we are called to lift our leaders up, those that have stepped up and said, I'll be a pastor, I'll be a director, I'll be this and, and that, that it, it is our job. It is your job. It is my job. It's all of our job to lift up the leader. Because I, I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm going to share a little bit of my heart today, but there's a lot of times that I feel like there's just a big bullseye on me. And so, in fact, I looked up some statistics, and this is only a few. Like, there were pages and pages of this. And this is scary right now. 1,500 pastors leave the ministry each month due to moral failure, spiritual burnout, or contention in their churches. 80% of pastors and 84% of their spouses feel unqualified and discouraged in their role. 70% of pastors do not have a close friend, confidant, or a mentor. That is nationwide. And so it's, it, it used to be it used to be that a pastor was kind of like, wow, you're a pastor in community, you're respected, you're esteemed. It's really not like that anymore. Um, I still have people ask me, it's like, no, what's your real job? I mean, it's funny because my last name's Heavener. I've actually had people come up and say, you're not a pastor, you can't be a pastor with that name. And I've had to pull out my license and it's like, yes, Heavener, but I am a pastor. And they just think it's funny. They think it's crazy. Like, why would you do that? I have family members that sit there and go, you, you're doing what? You, you left a paying job to start a church with no... You're insane. And so it, it's, it's not like that anymore. And so this morning, I really want to just dive into the idea that we need to be praying, and you guys need to be praying for me. I'm only as good as the prayers that surround me. I promise you. And stuff. So um, in First Timothy... And this is where it got scary for me. In 1 Timothy 3, Paul lays down kind of the whole idea of what it means to be a pastor. And we're going to dive into this and the different things um, and what it takes to be a leader. Because some of you may be thinking, like, man, I want to be a leader in church. Because right now we're thinking about deacons and elders. And we're thinking about leaders and ministry leaders and stuff. And I think these qualifications cover all of that. I think it does. So we're going to dive in. Before we do that, just pray with me. Right now, Father God, I just thank you so much for this morning. I thank you for the ability to come together. Um, God, what I have to say absolutely means nothing. But it's what you want to say this morning. And so, God, I ask that you would just move me out of the way. Um, God, we thank you already this morning. We have felt your presence, and we know that you're here with us. And so, God, we ask that you would speak now. That you would give us ears to hear and hearts to respond um, to your word and to what you have to say. And may it bring you glory and not us. May you get the credit and not us. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul starts this whole idea about being a pastor and overseer. Overseer and, and elder is a word used pretty commonly as like the pastor, elder. They're interchangeable in the New Testament. And he starts out, he says, here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task, a noble work. It, it is a big deal. It is a big work. I can't think of any better way to spend my life than what I'm doing. I love this. I don't know how to do anything else. 
Um, I've, I've worked at Disney. I've worked at other places, and that was fun. But it never gave me life like this gives me life. But I want you to understand there are a lot of churches where the pastor stands up, and it's the pastor's word. And I love that John Piper, great, great pastor, um, says this. The Bible is the ultimate authority and infallible, not the pastor and not the elders. And it doesn't mean that you believe everything he says without examining it. I just want you right now, I take this very seriously about bringing God's word and sharing, but I am not infallible. I, I do not know all of it. And so I challenge you and I encourage you to, to look. When, when I open up a scripture and you go home and say, wait a minute, I don't think it says that, then call me. Because there are things, like I said, I'm not perfect. And so many times we take the pastor and we kind of set him up on that pedestal in our culture. We've done that. And that's why it's such big news when a pastor falls or something happens. And we judge the whole church. We've got to understand, we are going through this. I'm going through this just like you. I'm growing just like you. And the only authority that I have and the only infallibility is this word. That's it. My opinions don't matter at all. It's what this word says. And that's what we have committed and promised and stay committed that we will preach this word. This is the truth that we'll do. So, let, let's dive in. So, we're asking you to pray for your pastors and leaders. Ephesians 3, verse 2 and 4. Paul jumps in and says, Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do it in a manner worthy of full respect. That's a pretty extensive list right there. Above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectful, hospitable, able to teach, not drunk, not violent, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. That, I mean, that definitely, you know, I, I know there are pastors that are making tons and tons of money and they're in these huge churches and they're doing stuff. But if that's the reason I got into this, then I'm failing miserably. I just <laughs> want you to know. Um, but managing his home family. The whole idea, you think about a list and the idea is that you need to pray that I'm able to follow that. But but here's the deal. All leaders, all leaders need prayer. And especially where we're at right now at Grace Baptist, it's not just me, but it's the ones we don't even have yet that we need. And so my question for you this morning, are you praying that God is raising up leaders? Like I said, we're looking at people to be elders and deacons. Um, you know, elders for us are the ones that help maintain our doctrine and take care of church discipline. I'm sorry, it's First Timothy. I don't, yeah. That is. Okay. Did, did I jump? Sorry. <laughs> I did jump. Well, I think I was locked on Ephesians earlier this week. So, yeah, it's still First Timothy. So, if you see it, it's First Timothy, not Ephesians. Sorry about that. See? I'm not perfect. I need prayer. But all of us, all the leaders need prayer. And I covet your prayers. My attitude is kind of this. That if there's a problem, if there's something going wrong, and, and I know you're praying for me, I mean, honestly, in my heart, I'm more open to hearing from you. If you're not praying for me and you just want to complain, 
then I have a great filing system. It kind of goes in the back corner of my brain, and I just sit there and go, God bless you. Thank you for that. And you'll see that kind of awkward smile on my face. And yes, just bless you. <laughs> now go. I mean, it, it, it's serious. When I know people care about me, I'm more interested. Isn't that the way we all are, though? I mean, I'm a human being. Pastors are human beings. We're, we're fallible. We make mistakes. But when we know someone cares about us, aren't you more inclined to listen to them when they want to speak into you? It's the same way with me. Um, and, and the idea that we have leaders that are coming. That we're going to need elders and we're going to need deacons, people that have a heart service. And I think I know this talks about elders, but I think a deacon follows this too. I, I don't think there's much difference between a calling. It's just a different style of service that they're doing. And I'm telling you, we're not going to have deacons that are just going to sit around and just say, I'm a deacon. It's a good old boy club. We're, we're not going to have it. Our deacons will serve like they did in Acts because that's what a deacon is. Our elders will guard with me the idea of are we staying true to what God's word teaches. And so we all need that. So be praying for the ones that we do not have yet. Because I'm telling you, I can't do this on my own. No church should be about one single person. My goal and my heart everywhere I am is that I work myself out of a job. That's my job to equip you to do the work. And so we need prayer for that. First um, Timothy three five. Sorry again. I must have really been stuck on Ephesians this week. <laughs> if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? I need you to pray for our leaders. Pray for me and pray for my family. I mean, honestly, guys, I I can take I can take any criticism towards me. I can take any sacrifice that I need to make. What bothers me is when my family hurts. What distracts me is when my family is hurting. And I know that's the same for pastors because that's my first ministry. That's the first ministry God ordained, the family. I mean, if you, if you don't understand it, go all the way back to Genesis. When, when God created man and woman, brought them together and created this family, it, was, it is the perfect picture of God in his community. Because God is in his own community. You know, that's why it's three persons. He's always in perfect community. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All of that together is a perfect community. And when it says that we are an image bearer of him, we bear that image. And we bear that in ourselves, but we also bear that in our families. And it's the greatest picture. And so the family is the number one thing I think the enemy attacks today. You know, I think it was Winston Churchill and a lot of other smart people said the downfall of the family is the downfall of any culture. And so I'm asking you, you know, pray for my family because they get attacked. You know, there's there's a lot of times, you know, I think one of the hardest jobs in the world is to be a pastor's wife. Because a lot of times people won't come up to the pastor and say, that was a horrible sermon. <laughs> but they'll go up to the wife and say, was he a little off today? Is there things we need to be praying about, you and your family? I mean, we live in a fishbowl. I remember when, when I was going through the ordination process, it was crazy. You know, I've got Presbyterian friends that always make fun of me. They're like, Southern Baptists, they just ordain anybody. I'm like, really? 
Because here's my ordination process. We went to the church and said, we feel called to ministry. The church voted and said, yes, we agree with that calling. It was in Colorado. And they ordained us to ministry. And the senior pastor says, all right, for the next year, just want you to know, we're going to be watching you. And for the next year, deacons and people of leadership from the church kind of showed up at our house, just saying, hey, how's it going? And they would ask my wife questions. They would ask my kids when they were little questions. And they would ask them all and stuff like, how's it going? And stuff. And so for a year, I was evaluated. We lived in a fishbowl. Until the church came back, I went to an ordination board, and they approved me, and they ordained me as a pastor. That was a big deal. And I thought, man, I'm glad that's over. It's not. We still live in a fishbowl. And so I ask you to pray for my family. And I ask you to pray for the leaders that are coming and their families that are coming. Because there is no greater work than building God's kingdom. And there is no harder and painful work than building God's kingdom in a fallen world. Family is the front line of ministry everywhere. And that's our heart here, too. It's it's our heart to equip families, to, to... to encourage families to do to sit down and say, you know, it's not our job to raise anybody's kids. It's not our job to disciple kids. It's not our job to do any of that. It's our job to equip families to do that. That's that is the original church, by the way. That was what God ordained. And so as we come together, families and so I know you struggle. Listen, I got two beautiful daughters and we were just talking the other day, of how blessed we are that we have two daughters that grew up being missionary kids and pastor's kids and going around the world and seeing their dad in ministry and their mom in ministry and all the stuff that we had to deal with. And yet both of them are chasing after God and chasing after ministry. Like, I wish my kids had better goals. But, I mean, one wants to end orphans and one wants to end human trafficking. And that, that's amazing to me. That we, we, we see that, and I believe that happened because there's been people over the years that have prayed for us and prayed for our kids and prayed for our family. And so we want that for you. We want you to celebrate. But there were hard days in that. Uh, don't, don't think, you know, I can bring my oldest in here, and she'll tell stories of when she was like, I'm totally against this. And, and I learned to believe and trust the verse in Proverbs that says, train a child in the way she'll go, and the way they'll go, and they'll not soon depart from it. Because we've seen our kids leave and come back. And so we understand that struggle. And so believe me, we're praying for your family. I ask you to do the same for the leaders of the church. Pray for protection. In 1 Timothy 3.7, he says, He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. There are people literally waiting and watching for us to mess up. All Christians. Because that's what we love to put on the news. You know, you you go to Haiti today, and when that earthquake hit Haiti, a good friend of mine was there with a group of students and adults doing a mission trip, and they were there. You don't really hear much about Haiti anymore because it's kind of past. You hear about stuff that maybe a church was collecting money and they used it the wrong way and used it for themselves. And you hear the negative stuff. You don't hear that the only people down there still is the church. Still rebuilding. You go into New Orleans, the people that are still there, they're building. It's the church. You don't see the positive stuff 
that God is doing through the church because the world wants to discredit the leaders and the church so much. The enemy, that's, that's the best thing you can do. That's why they put all the lunatics and the morons on television that don't represent Jesus at all. That represent hate and all that stuff and not grace and not love and not truth. And so we, we, people are looking for a reason. There are reasons that I don't go to certain places. Listen, we lived in Germany and stuff. I'm, I'm going to tell you, I have no problem if you have a glass of wine now and then or you have a beer now and then. As long as it doesn't offend or block anybody else. Because the Bible says don't be drunk. But it also says don't be a stumbling block. And because of that, I always have to ask the question, like, if I go here, will anybody have anything bad to say about me? Anything. And I'm always asking that question about where I go. And so we ask you for your protection, both physical health. I just found out two weeks ago, for the first time in my life, I have high blood pressure. And I have to take these stupid little pills. I told the doctor, I says, well, I mean, I've never had a problem with this. I just, we, I work in a church. I'm planning a church. We're just starting from nothing. And, and I have four women living in my house. And he's like, dear Lord, you should have been on these like a years ago. <laughs> Because it's stressful. I It wakes me up at night thinking about, God, how can we reach more people? Like, I love, Friday was an amazing night for us. It was so encouraging to us to meet people, to meet new people, and, and to meet families in this community. Because we've been wanting to do that. Except, you know, Saturday, I woke up in the middle of the night just saying, okay, God, how do we serve them now? How do we help them? How do we build on that and keep reaching out to them? Mental health. I said, it's stressful. It's, it's crazy. And so we're asking that you pray that, that no one's going to be looking, that no one from the outside is going to have anything bad to say about us. Because if they have something that's bad to say about me, then they have something bad to say about my Jesus. And there is nothing that would break my heart more than someone to have something bad to say about Jesus because there's no one more amazing than him. And so... Pray for this and pray for the leaders that are coming. I, I keep saying, I know this is a lot. It, it's funny. Some of you guys are going to leave today saying, wow, that was an interesting. We were joking about that, saying we're going to get some guests this morning. And they're going to leave saying, all you did was preach about himself. <laughs> this is so much more than about me. This is about this church. This is about this community. Be praying for these leaders. Man, we need Leaders, we need people to step up and say, man, I will be a spiritual leader in this community. I'll be a small group leader. We want to start small groups in January. One for men, one for women, one for youth. We want to start children's ministry and start reaching out to the children of this area. Man, we met so many little kids. You know, they loved our house because we had so much candy left over. They, everybody was were like, here, <laughs> trick or treat. Yeah, take more. <laughs> We met so many kids, and so, but we'll need leaders for that. You know, we, we need musicians, and we need tech people, and we need people that are willing to help us set up and tear down stuff and, and do us. We need leaders. We need elders. We need people that will surround me and my family and hold me accountable. All these things we pray for. A.W. Tozer is one of my favorite old-time pastors. He says, let every man abide in the calling wherein he is called and his work will be as sacred as the work of the ministry it is not what a man does that determines whether his work is sacred or secular it is why he does it and i believe all my heart that we it's not my job to create a church full of church members it is my heart 
to help establish a church full of missionaries and leaders. And if you're here this morning, it's because you have leadership potential. There's something that God wants you to do. And it's my job to help you figure that out and equip you and to pray for you and to send you back out. We may never be a church of thousands. But if we are a church of a hundred leaders and mission-minded people, praying for each other, lifting up each other, and doing that, then we'll change everything here. And that's our clock. Isn't it beautiful? It, no, it tells me when I need to wrap it up. So, <laughs> so be thankful for that. Turn that sucker up. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, it, it really is. So, this is our commitment. Each week, we've had read one of these commitments. And stuff. And at the end of this whole series, I'm going to print these out. I'm going to set them down. I'm going to ask you to prayerfully consider, like, yes, I'll, this is the kind of church and church member I want to be. And we're going to make a covenant between each other and say, we are going to do this together. But it says, I'm a church member. I will pray for my pastor every day. I understand that the pastor's work is never-ending. His days are filled with numerous demands that bring emotional highs and lows. He must deal with critics. He must be a good husband and father. Because my pastor cannot do all things in his own power, I will pray for strength and wisdom daily. Listen, if this is dependent on me, we will fail. This, this church will never, ever become, if it's dependent on me. It, it's a, someone asked me Friday when we were out there, he says, you know what, are you a good preacher? I said, well, I'm, I think I'm pretty good, but thankfully the Holy Spirit's a lot better. And so we, we, are, we are focused and driven on the idea that it is God that will raise it up. And as you pray for me, listen, I'm going to be encouraged. I'm going to be strengthened. I'm going to be motivated to do more and more. I'm going to be motivated to sit at Starbucks on Wednesdays and talk to people and go to farmer's markets and meet people and do whatever it takes to meet more people to reach the people of this community. There are 30,000 people that live in Four Corners area. And there are a handful of churches. And I met almost every pastor and every one of them's heart is the same thing. We just want to reach more people, but it's not going to happen unless we're a praying people. I can't preach that good to reach 30,000 people, but God can. And so I, I ask you to pray for not only me, my family, but pray for the leaders that are coming, for God to raise up those people to do that. That's the kind of church we want to be. We want to be a church where everybody has a function. We want to be a church where everybody's fighting for unity and loving on each other. We want to be a church where it's about them and not us. And we want a church that is praying for its leadership and praying for each other and see what God does with that. That will be amazing. And the best part of it is God will get all the credit for that and not me. Let's pray. God, I just, I thank you so much this morning. God, I, I thank you that you are bigger than I